Hello, the internet, and welcome to the Screen and Needle podcast, where my compadres and I get to select one film, one album, and a top five list each week to be reviewed and discussed over a pint or two. I hope you'll join us for a drink and some daft chat about pop culture. Holden, and today I am joined by Mark Wall. How are you doing, buddy? I'm good, mate. Thank you. And I'm also joined by Andy Malvin. How are you doing, buddy? Yeah, good, thanks. It sounded like you forgot Mark's name there, but... It's right. I sort of thought about trying to do a funny one and then didn't have one. Uh, and mm. then the scramble was, yeah, just to get back to your surname when my mind was trying to go elsewhere. But I had nothing, so I had to... Just loop back around. Good stuff. Good stuff. Thanks for, thanks for calling me out. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> okay, so today we are talking about, as always, a film, an album, and a top five list. This week was your choice, Andy. So the film is Bo Burnham's Inside from this year, 2021. Uh, it is a new comedy special shot and performed by Bo Burnham alone over the course of the past year somewhat more to it than that but i get the feeling we're probably going to get into it welcome to the internet what would you prefer would you like to fight for civil rights or tweet a racial slur be happy be horny be bursting with rage we got a million different ways to engage welcome to the internet put your cares aside here's a tip for straining pasta here's a nine-year-old who died we got movies and doctors and fantasy sports and a bunch of colored pencil drawings of all the different characters why did you pick this film andy i mean cheers for calling it a film because it's uh it's a film choice that's clearly not but um you know it's a length of a film and fuck rules i'm a rebel it's on imdb so it counts yeah with a casting crew of one i watched it i think i watched it the night it came out like it's been out a couple of weeks and i've sort of semi-obsessively watched it a couple of times since as well yeah kind of similar to the last one i just wanted to talk about it really i've watched a few things that have been created in lockdown and lockdown has obviously had a huge influence on the way it was made and also maybe the content i don't know i thought it'd be interesting to talk about something from that that kind of thing marco what are your thoughts buddy quite enjoyed it i think he displays a remarkable level of creativity some of the stuff he comes up with is so impressive and i think as a as a project as like a performance piece as an undertaking all round it's super impressive and there are some sections which i found incredibly funny but having said all that at times i think i kind of admire it more than i actively liked it what did you reckon i thought it was pretty great I think it was all of the things you said about it first, but then I didn't think about the things that you said last. (laughs) Uh, I thought the songs were really great, like, throughout. I thought the 
a sort of semi-plot, I suppose, of him having a complete breakdown was great. I think it was funny, but I think it was also quite moving. And like, I think he got the pathos just right. I thought, actually, I thought it'd be a much more difficult experience to watch. Actually, I thought it was um, pretty enjoyable, even even in the darker bits. I, I enjoyed watching it. Yeah, I've been a Bo Burnham fan for a little while. There's a bit of a symmetry to my picks this week for two things. One is that they're all heavily influenced by the fact that I get a huge amount of my content from YouTube. Both Bo Burnham and my album pick have started their lives as YouTubers. Like That's where they got their success. I think that there is a sort of idea from people who maybe don't spend a lot of their time watching YouTube that um, it's full of like stupid content or I, I think that like there's a huge amount of like really talented people. Yeah. Bo Burnham's one of those. And I think like two thirds of the special is quite similar to his usual kind of fare, you know, some in-depth sort of critiquing of things that he doesn't feel is right in the world um, interspersed with like, stupid little songs you know gentle ribbing subjects um and then the last third of it is i think he's always kind of quite honest and open and has spoken before and <laughs> sang before in his songs about like mental health issues and things like that but the other th- reason i think that my picks kind of tied together is because um like i've not been at my absolute best the last few weeks and so i think i like watching content of people who are like speaking or singing like quite kind of honestly about how they're like the struggles that they're facing at the moment and stuff like that i think like this was one thing that was i don't know got to me a little bit yeah from about the halfway point when he um turned 30 it begins a kind of downward spiral. Um, but I think it was sort of magnificently portrayed. Bits like that, like that song. Sometimes I think like how long it must have, I mean, you know how long it takes in total, but you can see how it how it takes that long. I mean, the like choreography for that video for that, that he's filmed himself in this one room where he's got the like phone light that is like beat matching and he's got the like light in trig- trigger to um, like a foot pedal. So he's yeah. changing the, the lighting and stuff whilst he's spinning around the room. I just think like the creativity to come up with that and then to also execute it is ludicrous. Like the it's amount wild. of time that must have taken. And like, yeah, I thought about it with uh, White Woman's Instagram as well, where like almost every line has a different visual backdrop to it. Yeah. That, that's just got to have taken an incredible amount of time. It, it, that is just absolute obsession for your art, isn't it? <laughs> And he doesn't Absolutely. he doesn't repeat ideas, really. The yeah, amount of new ideas he comes up with throughout every time you sort of think he's he must have run out, the well must have been run dry. And then he's he's still cracking out new ideas and clever little sketches and visual things. I was kind of blown away by the level of creativity and effort he put in. And it's all really really effective as well i think the the only problem i have which is kind of what i started by saying is just you know inevitably some of the skits work better than others for me and some of the songs work better than others for me you know some of them they they kind of get you to think a little bit but they're not necessarily funny and they're not necessarily anything new or insightful some some of his other stuff was and some of it was very funny but i just think it it is a little bit by its very nature up and down 
I think for me, I think some of those songs came in as a bit of a, maybe like a bit of a salve for the like quite dark moments. And even though they weren't always funny, like sometimes they just, I don't know, took your mind off the fact that he's clearly having uh, a huge sort of depressive breakdown. Um, things like the, the Bezos and Bezos 2. I think particularly Bezos 2 comes after a really like heartfelt moment where he speaks directly to the camera and then it just plays him in a sort of ghillie suit raving out <laughs> and singing that, about Jeff Bezos. I think with those as well, like particularly with those songs, uh, the <laughs> Bezos songs, that like neither of them are finished songs. They're just like versions of the the chorus of the same song kind of yeah i i can i this will be completely wrong because it's not based on anything but i get the feeling that because in the end he kind of is lying on the floor like basically saying what he i presume he wanted to say in those songs or could never quite find it and i wonder how many versions there are of him recording that like there's there could be 20 versions that he's not happy with any of them so he ends up having a minor breakdown on the floor and saying what depresses him about Jeff Bezos and um and yeah ends up cutting in like two small moments of it it also makes me think that there's probably hundreds of hours left on the like cutting room floor yeah, yeah. i think um all the songs are at least like interesting lyrically and and musically to most like in most cases yeah agreed i mean i think there were three songs in particular that really stood out to me which what i just loved um, I don't know the titles, but the uh, the internet one. Welcome, Welcome to, the, to internet. the internet. Yeah, Christ, that's unbelievably good. good. Yeah, so much fun and like a really great song. And also, just his that one he doesn't do as much with. He's just kind of sat there with sunglasses, and it's actually kind of freaky. It's yeah. like he's like a <laughs> it's like a truth leader or something. Like, it really characters. is. It's like a yeah. It's like a dark carnival. It's yeah. such a good tune. Nice, so and, good. Um, yeah. White women's Instagram, I really liked, and the other mm-hmm. one was the uh, the sexting song, which was hilarious. I was pretty much crying watching that. <laughs> the baby from a raised head lie yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the ferris wheel stuff is just oh, so good crisis averted yeah she said the snowman crisis averted <laughs> <laughs> yeah i really like um i think like the first proper song is really funny as well where he's trying to work out how like saving the world with comedy or whatever it's actually called I really yeah, like yeah. The, really like the video in that as well with him like writing absolute nonsense on a like, whiteboard. <laughs> yeah, it's just called comedy, but yeah, you're right. Like sets up the whole premise of him being a white guy trying to save the world <laughs> with his powerful comedy. Um, but I think the I think the ending ones are really good as well. Uh, that funny feeling, the like the guitar one, Mad Lib style kind of reeling off collection of things that presumably give him anxiety or depression um is super effective i also think that's just a really nice song like really nice simple little melody and really well written he's a great musician isn't he he's a great musician yeah yeah. absolutely superb Um, um but all all eyes on me the final one well not the final one but it feels like the climax of the show yeah. Like if it was live, that'd be the final one, and then there'd be the encore. Does he do a bit of a sort of medley? It sounded yeah, like towards the, the end of the song, he was the la- you know calling the back. last, the, the very last, last song main song. Goodbye has yeah has a few like it has welcome to the internet, mm-hmm. and I think a bit of sexting cut in. Yeah, 
like in, in certain bits. But yeah, I think Goodbye is a great song and how it's shown on screen. Like it starts with him at the beginning doing a, a like a, a test recording of his demo mm-hmm. and then cuts into him recording it at the end. And yeah. as the song starts, as like goodbye, it's one fading into the other. And I thought like it's a, a nice metaphor of like new current Bo saying goodbye to a year ago Bo. Was that, um, so, because yeah, it starts and he's got like the short hair and stuff. Now, initially I took that to mean that he he had finished and he'd cut his hair and he was doing the song. But then no, I think he, I think he recorded that as an initial idea and then... Right at the start. Right yeah. at the start, and yeah. then probably that was wrote, my take. Yeah, wrote an entire song that kind of had all these callbacks to all the other songs in the special in it as well. That's cool. I do wonder. I don't know that it matters particularly, um, but I did wonder, obviously, about you know him going into difficulties and struggling mentally in the last third, as you say. How much of that was put on for the purposes of the of the film, so to speak, and how much of it was actually just what was happening? And I suspect it probably is the latter, but certainly it is possible that he was it, it is some of it. It is possible. But, I think it's um, I think it's incredibly unlikely. Like the the sort of themes that run through a lot of his specials. I think it just during quarantine hit a particularly low point, and that was kind of reflected in the you know the art that he made. Mm. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I was going to say All Eyes on Me, I think is a really, like, it's probably the most simple song I would have thought and like a pretty like simple message to it as well. But I think it's the most like honest one and, um, yeah, super effective. It's really similar to how he's ended all the specials as well. Just kind of struggling between desperately wanting like audience approval and people to listen to him, like All Eyes on Me. And then what's the other line? Like, like eyes down, pray for me. Yeah. Like the like desperately like needing this approval, but hating they need it, and being a <laughs> better, more balanced human being when he doesn't strive for it. Yeah, there's a few kind of um, bits about his relationship with audiences, and and I guess vice versa, as where the film kind of ends with him leaving his room for the first time and becoming trapped outside, but on a, like a theater stage under a spotlight and an audience clapping and him just like desperate to get away from it, go back into his, into his room. Well, he's been famous for half of his life now. He sort of never lived a life outside of it, like made stupid YouTube videos at 15 and got 14 or whatever and got millions of like views on them. Like he's sort of, he's lived his entire adult life in the public eye. You know, I, I, there's some people that would dream of that and strive for that, but I imagine it's tough as well. Mm-hmm. Every choice that you make is being scrutinised. It is something I would hate. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think a lot of that's reflected in here. Some of the uh, kind of satirical skits I enjoyed quite a bit as well. The one where he's doing a reaction and it becomes a reaction <laughs> to the reaction. Yeah, yeah. that was genius. Oh, what was the other one? Um the sock, oh, I, sock puppet one I like as well. For... Sock puppet was good, yeah. The computer uh, game one I thought works. was incredibly clever as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the streamer. I guess Did I'll cry again. <laughs> Did you see? Did you see him pop up? Like, there's a there's a brief second where the like the streamer like pops up in the bottom right corner, probably about I don't know ten or fifteen minutes in. I did notice that, yeah. I, didn't, I don't, I don't, I don't know what it's supposed to signify. <laughs> no, not nothing at all. Just maybe just an editing error. But 
There is quite a lot of detail in it, though. In the sexting video, his air conditioning unit is set to 69 degrees. Nice. <laughs> Love that. That's good stuff. That's, <laughs> that's comedy good detail. That's comedy gold, that is. Yeah, the, 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 yeah the, I'm not surprised. Like The level of attention to detail and things is, uh, is ridiculous. Like, yeah. But I, how you pull all that together, I mean, firstly, on your own, but also while sort of spiraling is incredible. But I thought right at the very, very end, he's sort of watching himself on a projector and he's back inside the house. And the very last thing he does is sort of smile and then the credits roll. And I felt that was sort of a message to the audience that like there, there, was, an, there was a sort of broadly positive end into the experience. Did you think that as well? Or am I... Uh... I think so, yeah. I didn't get the sense that it, it was... Uh... Full like on depression bleak. and just yeah. like, you know, he was disappointed with what he'd produced. I think he's probably quite pleased and he, he should be. Like I say, it's a, it's a remarkable achievement. You know, I remember when lockdown came into play and speaking as someone who purports to be creative at times, you know, it did present an opportunity to be like, right, we're going to have all this time, can do a load of creative endeavours and everything. You know, I did nothing. Yeah, the great the idea malaise. was there, but it just, yeah, I, I just didn't have the motivation didn't have the imagination, the ideas. And to think that he's gone and done that and literally committed a year of his life or whatever it is, unbelievable, really. Yeah, agreed. Absolutely. There's some little things on, like, attention to detail as well. I was going to touch on, like, FaceTime with my mom, which is a stupid song, but still quite quite enjoy it. I like that that was all in, um, what's the word I want? Portrait. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Or shot in sort of portrait. Um, yeah, like it was a, like phone screen. But I noticed it in um, White Woman Instagram as well that the screen is it, like that squish portrait picture throughout it. And then the one bit of the song where it sort of touches on anything like meaningful, where it's like a girl talking about like losing a mum and like a post that's talking to her, the <laughs> screen just like widens out slowly again. And then slowly narrows back in as she gets more sort of facetious about it, <laughs> as, a, as opposed to being uh, yeah, sort of honest and actually thoughtful. I like those little little touches; they're really nice. Yeah, no, I think it's wild. Like I'm blown away by just the level of all of it. Like the every single element is is thought about and is interesting. That that level of detail as well is apparent in his other like works. Like there's. I think he's got three other specials and they're they're obviously live in front of an audience. Like they're not that comparable to this, but there are things like, I remember one of them ends on a, it's like a recorded track where it's lots of like looped vocal things. And he basically cues them by pointing like either up, like left, right down. And I just think like recording that track was to take it ages, but <laughs> learning the entire thing so you can choreograph it. Is uh, is a hell of a lot of work. It's really good as well, but I, I think like that sort of level of like obsessive attention to detail and things is um, yeah something that he's done before. It's just that he had an entire year and you know just himself to uh, obsessively dedicate to it. In this case, definitely. Well, it's to the point that I've put the uh, I've put the album into my master playlist. It's received that honor. Well, yeah, I mean, they do absolutely stand alone as songs. I think even even earlier stuff where there's no 
like video aspect and it's him just playing i th- this is one of the reasons why i like watching stuff on youtube is that um like even bands i like there's so i picked half moon run as an album a while ago my last pick and um i probably watch their videos their live performances on youtube more often than i listen to their album like i like watching them live i think they're cool live like constantly swapping instruments and weird setups and but there's loads of things like that like i always watch bo burnham stuff on youtube his videos are cool even if it's just him playing i still prefer to watch it than to listen to it yeah i think that's fair i guess um one thing i wanted to say because in talking about it it's going up in in my mind and it's not just through you guys being really positive on it it's also just thinking back on the highlights really enjoyed them but as i said at the start there was definitely some stuff which didn't work quite as well for me i didn't dislike it really but it just wasn't as engaging or funny for me but I think one of the things that struck me, and maybe this is a kind of just byproduct of what it is, I guess, but I found the hour and a half length to be a little bit of a, a struggle because I suppose it's there is a, like you say, a very mild narrative to it, but really it follows a pattern of like song, maybe another song, skit, song. It is kind of a long period of time for me to sort of take in that that style, I suppose. Sure. So I'd, I'd be really enjoying it for like 20 minutes and then I'd start to get like a little sidetracked or whatever. And he even has the moment when he says about, oh, you'll be bored now looking at your phone. For me, I might have preferred if it was maybe broken down into like three or four episodes rather than just one long thing. I think comedy and that kind of thing is difficult to maintain for a, a long length, which is why most comedies are 20, 25 minutes long, isn't it? It wasn't. It wasn't a big issue for me. The runtime, like I was, I used to spend hours on end just watching music videos on TV. The thing is, everything has something for me out of it. Like some of the songs that I like less, like Problematic. Don't know if you remember that song. It's has him like topless on a cross. But I think that's it's, now I do. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's one of my it's one of my least favorite songs as a song. But I think it's a like interesting idea for a song because it's almost talking about like cancel culture, but self cancel culture like the idea of actually feeling a little bit embarrassed about some of the things that you said earlier and I always get the feeling like comedians are defending their like previous work and that you know you should just view it in the the time that it was released and things like that whereas I think yeah I thought it was an interesting idea to kind of look at it and actually like him being embarrassed by something that he previously done and feeling guilty about it and I don't yeah. think there's much in his past either that he needs to feel massively embarrassed about, particularly compared to some other comedians. <laughs> yeah. But, and yeah, like White Woman Instagram, actually, as a song, I didn't. And I know you said you liked it, Mark, but it's sort of further down on my list. But I think the visuals for that are superb. Yeah, I, I enjoyed I, the video. I just kind of always found something. So even though not everything landed for me, like there was something within every kind of song or every moment that that kind of drew me to it. Shall we score? Do you want to go Shall first, we go? Will? Okay, buddy, I'll go first. Um, I'm going to award this my first, I think it is, my first 10 out of 10. Um, I thought this was great from both the uh, artistry, the execution the production, the feeling, the comedy, and the songs. I just think we're all absolutely top tier. And to pull that off on your own, even in the space of a year, I think is extraordinary. And uh, 
I think I'll enjoy this both as music and I will watch this again. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I thought it was a, I thought it was a masterpiece. Like I, I watched it a couple of times before picking it, and uh, once since. Yeah, just I think you see different things every time as well. Like I say, that attention to detail on on stuff is like stunningly good. My last ten out of ten, I felt slightly. Uh, I felt like maybe that was a bit uh, a bit generous. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that I'd really defended its corner so strongly that I felt like I had to. Whereas this, I, I like it is 10 out of 10 for me. Thought it was superb. Okay, cool. You know, I don't want to seem like the uh, the one to shit on the parade or whatever, um, because I did really enjoy it. I agree with a 10 in terms of like, I would give him a 10 for the undertaking and the creativity. I'm like mega impressed like by his by his talent and dedication, basically. I think it is utterly remarkable. But it's just a personal thing, I guess. I mean, I would suggest maybe half of the songs, I just thought they were they were fine. They were, they were good songs. I think he's a great musician. But when 80% of a movie, if we're calling it a movie in this case, is pretty much music videos... I think you need to you need to be liking the songs quite a bit and or the visuals and because of so much of it being that and some of it just not landing quite as well for me uh, it does take it down overall and again some of the some of the skits and the talking bits I just thought they were fine they were just some thoughts that he was having and they didn't particularly invoke like anything you know in me I guess John that was quite rambly uh, but anyway <laughs> Um, yeah, I've, I've actually gone up to a seven. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, while I, I don't think it's a consistent package all the way through, the low lights are never enough like to, to dissuade me from the, the really, really great bits. You said it's a little rambly, but I think that makes complete sense. Like, I also think like this is um, similar to a lot of stuff that I watch. It's just in my wheelhouse, I guess. Like I've picked yeah. something within yeah. my own wheelhouse and I think it's like pretty much the best example of it that I've yeah. seen. That's why it's a 10. But if it was mm-hmm. out of my wheelhouse, like however much I enjoyed it, maybe like I can completely understand why it wouldn't measure up to other things more within your wheelhouse. Yeah. Well, the wheelhouse is open and <laughs> ready for ready for more bow. I'm happy to try some more. And I, I do went... think it'll be quite rewatchable. Yeah. Okay, well, with that said and done, should we move on to the album? So your album is Build a Problem by Dodie from this year, 2021, again. I mean, you've already given us a bit of a lowdown being a, a YouTube star come full-fledged artist. She's been a YouTuber, I think, for like 10 years. And she posts music that I kind of enjoy and a lot of other videos that I don't necessarily, they're just not things that I care about that much. But I get the feeling that she's very like honest and earnest and um, very, very like open with her audience. And so it's got like a pretty massive following through that. She had a couple of EPs, uh, but this is her first like proper full-fledged album. And also somebody pointed out that we haven't picked anything that's kind of current like chart music or like I think this was... I think this charted at number three, like it was commercially successful. So I thought it'd be kind of interesting to uh, just pick something a bit, a bit different in that kind of regard. Didn't want to believe such a monster in me. 
Nobody at all before, so I'd not looked at her YouTube sort of career. I do think it's without digging too much into the album before we start. I think that kind of relationship that she obviously has with people who watch her YouTube channel, I think, comes across in her music, and I think that's part of the reason that I liked some of her music before. Well, Marco, why don't you kick us off? But what do you think? I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. I think uh, obviously I don't know anything about Dodie from youtube or anything like that just treating it purely as an as an album and you know weirdly it's uh i don't think it's a million miles away from my last pick in some respects it's a very kind of intimate lo-fi album with some more expansive moments on it it's got a similar tone throughout but i quite liked that tone and yeah i just the arrangements are really good I do have criticisms. You know, I don't think it's mind-blowing. I think there's a couple of standout moments in a couple of songs. What I most respect is she is a talented girl. I mean, I did a bit of reading up, and by all accounts, obviously she's writing the songs, she's singing them. She's playing the clarinet parts, which are super cool. She does the string arrangements, which are really good. Massive amount of respect for her, to be honest. So, yeah, I liked it. The way that I kind of found out about her was because she just started popping up on things with other artists that I really like. Like I saw her, she's got a cover of a song with um, Jacob Collier and she's worked with Pomplamos before. And they're both people I think are just supremely talented. Uh, it automatically makes me think if they want to work with you, then there's something about you. What were your thoughts, Will? Uh, I also thought, um, very much the same like I think um, it's really good and I didn't quite know what to expect like I'd not I'd not heard much about Dodie I think I was slightly aware that it was commercially successful but really didn't know what to expect but yeah for the most part I think it's I think it's really good I think uh, as Mark said there's loads of instrumentation and it's uh, often really nice and uh, really adds a lot so they, they're like the given song. There are, I think the lyrics are pretty good in a lot of places. Some songs in particular, like uh, I think When particularly spoke to me uh, <laughs> as a song. There are, yeah, there are a couple of songs that I think are not quite as good as the very high bar set by the, the kind of cream of the crop of the album. But I think as a package, yes, yeah, pretty enjoyable and uh, interesting nice chord progressions and uh, i think her like choice of where to add melody lines in the vocals is often quite like restrained but interesting she doesn't always go in for the very big harmony stacks like they'll just be the odd line harmonized and picked out i think that's really nice too yeah i think the harmonies are always always nice thing is she never oversings anything or overplays anything like everything is very like intimate and quite sort of delicate so i think having big like harmony sweeps and like say big stacked harmonies there is stacked harmonies they still feel quite intimate because they're really like everything is 
I've criticised people for this before as well, not singing out, but I think it really works for her. Like everything is very, like her lyrics are very introspective and the the kind of the tone of her voice is quite like introspective as well, if that makes sense. Like, Yeah, I, I get that. I really like her voice, actually. And I think sometimes almost Sprechka Sanger, I like sex speech song. Yeah. Where she almost just whispers like the words, I think it is pretty effective i think like you were saying mark about her doing a huge amount of the stuff on this album i think it would be easy to move away from what she previously did when you're making a proper album getting other people involved and things like that and she's obviously stayed like quite sort of i can't imagine her doing anything else like i don't think she has a massive range of like styles that she could move into that would suit her like i think like this type of album suits everything that she like sort of brings to the table and so trying to do more with that just wouldn't kind of work for her and like you say like all the like the delicate clarinet I really like all the every time the clarinet comes in it's always really nice but really good lines yeah yeah just super interesting lines and yeah really nice like delicate tone to things and yeah it just adds that interest but I just can't imagine her like doing more with it I really like the like DIY percussive stuff that she has in it as well mm. like there's almost yeah, no, interesting there's almost no drums everything is just kind of claps and slaps and bits of percussion and stuff yeah. but it still adds that like drive when it needs it and mm-hmm. yeah i mean on the on the intimate thing that you were talking about i guess that's one of my few slight criticisms i think she sort of goes to the well of uh starting off a song with that kind of distant only can just hear it picked guitar or whatever and you know the the kind of whispered very cut off vocals like there's no you know she doesn't sing out at all she closes the end of the lines like just you know in a millisecond basically there's that that gets a bit wearisome for me because I think she does it in many of the songs but when she builds on that and expands it throughout the song it's truly something I think sorry is the best example of it The way that song opens up, her voice just grows into it, the harmonies creep in, and suddenly we've got an absolutely killer-like melody, which sadly she doesn't, it's not even really a chorus, because I think she pretty much just doesn't repeat any of the sections, really. But it's almost like from a, you know, could be like Leonard Bernstein or something, like there's this West Side Story-esque like ballad thing going on, and then the string arrangement is fantastic and goes into some super cool ending chords and it's all cinematic. I mean, when I was listening to it for the first time, that's that's the kind of thing I was talking about where that makes me sit up and take notice, really grabs me. And I was suddenly like, you know, yeah, this this lady has got something. And then to see that she'd basically yeah. written all those string parts herself, like, fair play. Yeah. The, um, I'd listened to uh, Cool Girl beforehand. I'd listened to this album once before I picked it. <laughs> I was worried I was going to really hate it. I basically decided to pick it, and I thought, I really don't want to pick it and really hate it. So I thought I'd better give it one listen. Um, but I'd heard Cool Girl a few times before because she posted a video of it ages ago. And um, I, I still think it might be my favourite song, even though there's two or three others. Sorry's one of them. Actually, When I quite like as well, Will, that you mentioned. That's great. But yeah, Cool Girl, I think it's is super cool song. Like it it's built on nothing as well. Like it's it's one chord pattern that I think goes mm-hmm. through the verse and chorus, but it's got that like counter melody that comes on 
comes in like later on. Again, all the orchestration is super like subtle and dead nice. Yeah, it sort of pushes all those buttons on like intimacy and the lyrics are always good, I think, pretty much. I, I do have slight criticisms of the, the album. Like I think very occasionally it pushes into like almost melodrama. I don't know, the kind of like emotive bit of it doesn't quite work for me that it's like slightly. I think sometimes when it gets really cinematic, I think it almost overplays that a little bit. Uh, see, I think I lean into my that. favorite thing. Yeah, <laughs> really? I, I think I like. I think I like that kind of melodrama. And actually, I, I did enjoy the song, but, but "Cool Girl" isn't one of my like highlights of the album. It's sat in that kind of just just beat here. Like, I don't think anything drops out of B for me. But I think there are maybe four songs that really like stand out to me. What are your four? My four are "I Kiss Someone." It wasn't you. So I think the chorus, the chorus in that is great. I think it's the first Fantastic time the, chorus, the, yeah. the, the clarinet comes in. That's that's the um, first time, sorry, Will, that that was the other thing that peaked my ears or whatever, that, that switch to the chorus. Just working through those first three, like Air So Sweet is one of those sort of just over a minute opening tracks, but I think has enough about it to not be immediately skippable. I always mm-hmm. skip it. I do start as track two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but I know we've we've definitely criticised that in the past. But I thought it it was mixed melody lines of, in the vocals. I think was sort of interesting enough. Hate myself felt like a single, and while I think it was a pretty decent song all in all, wasn't one of the ones with the most sort of interesting elements for me. And as you say, I kissed someone and it wasn't used the first time in the album. I thought, oh, okay, like I, this can hit some heights. Then I say, cool girl, I thought was decent, um, but special girl. I really like as well. Yeah, me too. Then Sorry and When. I really like uh, um, Four Tequilas Down as well. I do as well. Like, again, it's it's a very close B, but it just, I don't know, didn't quite ring all the bells. See, for me, the, I could almost do without the, the two tracks that bookend that, you know, the, like the, the instrumentals. Oh, I was just going to say that. Like, I think they are pointless. And um, I listened to the two bonus tracks, as they're suggested. I didn't really listen to any of the demos that follow that. But like Guiltless, I think is quite a cool song. And I would rather that be just a main track and get rid of at least one of the so I instrumentals. Think, I think that the the bonus tracks were released as singles, possibly. I think it's just that she's already released them. I think that's why they're not on the album properly. I and see. They, all the demos, uh, she basically just released a load of music in um, first lockdown. Um, and they were all just like initial ideas. A couple of them I recognize. I haven't listened to them either on these versions, but I presume they are basically the same version. Uh, like All My Daughters, I think was like, I remember that. I remember like watching that video and thinking, <clears throat> that's a super cool song. Um, but yeah, I didn't listen to them now. But yeah, Guiltless is a, is a, cool track but i can kind of see why you wouldn't actually add them as part of the album properly when you've kind of already released them i i think we may agree anyway that the instrumental tracks while they're nice enough just become permanent skippers you just i disagree yeah yeah i do on this occasion they're so short i'm not saying they're intrinsic to the record or whatever but if you're listening to it as an album which with this one I actually have done. Some of the others I, I don't, you know, a few tracks at a time kind of dip in, dip out. This one, if you listen to it as an album, I think it really adds to the flow. And 
because I wasn't aware of when one song stopped and another started, to me, they were just part of the previous or the next song, you know? They were perfectly, perfectly nice. Uh, you're talking about two, three minutes worth anyway. I don't I don't think there's any great harm in having them there. And to be honest, it did break up the kind of... what What is the word when everything's the same? Why can't I think of the word? Ubiquitous. Yeah, maybe. That's not the right word I'm thinking of. But I, sound, I guess... It doesn't I, sound like a word Mark would use. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's um, too clever for me. Homogenous. Um, homogenous. Thank you. Yeah. Still pretty clever. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Uh, that that was the word that I was looking for. It is a, a pretty homogenous record. And, you know, more and more, that's less of a problem for me. If I like it, it's like I said with the Ichiko Aoba one, don't really care if there's not a great deal of variety if I like what's on offer. She does have minor variety, but there's still, tonally, it all falls into the same kind of field for me. Yeah, definitely. You're right as well. I criticise other albums for not having enough variety on it, but you're absolutely right. Like, I, th- I don't need it in this because I like one thing that she does. I, I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't need her to do anything different to break it up because I'm quite happy no. to listen to an hour of that or 40 minutes of that. Maybe I'll stop criticising things for it. I don't know. I think it's sometimes it's fair. Like I think if sometimes people don't have a like distinct enough tone or haven't developed that to a point, so the variety kind of makes way for that. Or sometimes they're that type of kind of artist. Or I don't. Know, I think you get it in filmmakers as well. Sometimes certain filmmakers sort of make the same film over and over again. But if you like the jam, then just yeah, keep coming absolutely, back. Absolutely, yeah. And I think this, but it absolutely balances on: do you like sort of her voice? Do you like her production quality? And yeah, for me, the answer is is, is yes. So uh, thumbs up. Yeah, agreed. I think it's a, like, it's a fine line to skirt as well with something like this, because I think it is incredibly easy to make it sound just kind of twee. Um, I don't think it's a twee album. No, neither no. do I at all. But I think like, I think it's it like easy, a... very easily could have been. I mean, that's kind of my point. Mm-hmm. Like the, yeah. the, the way that it's, the way that there isn't a huge amount to most songs. Like all the no. orchestration stuff is very, like really nice, but it's very like subtle. Like nothing builds to really huge moments or, yeah, I, I just no. think it'd be really easy for it to, to end up being like quite twee. Yeah, I think it avoids, avoids the pitfall. And I think it, it does a good job of combining quite familiar kind of chord patterns and cadences with much more interesting kind of moments and between that it both feels like familiar and hooky but different and and sort of new as well yeah i agree i think i guess someone is the prime example of that yeah the verse chord progression is very standard and yeah. uh as soon as it hits that chorus it's like oh no this is actually quite interesting yeah yeah, yeah special girl does that as well actually the like drop mm-hmm. down into the chorus is uh it's like unexpected the first time it comes around, but it kind of it just works. Like it, it's it's hooky. It sticks in my head. It's again like really great lyrics throughout it and kind of heartfelt. For the first time, that's a bit of a surprise. The next time it comes around, it's just sort of seamless. Yeah, agreed. She avoids the pitfalls of that kind of folk pop thing quite well. I think mm-hmm. it's the same with the melodies, not just the chords. Some of the melodies are very kind of more predictable not in a bad way but you sort of know where they're going but then she does throw in more expansive unexpected vocal lines as well and the mix like you said will the mix works really well 
Yeah, I think like the, the balance of instrumentation, just uh, listening to the beginning of Special Girl, and it starts, as you say, with all like the clapping and stamping, but it feel everything feels so like full. You know, it, it it's not that it necessarily has like loads of bottom end, but everything just feels satisfyingly deep as a sound, I guess. I, I, I'm not sure I can <laughs> describe it better than that. I think the the final thing I'll say is I wonder how well the individual songs would work out of context. And that, that's not really a problem because I like albums working as an album. You know, the standouts to me are the ones where, I mean, again, Sorry is one of my favourites and that's barely a, a pop song, really. No, um, and I think she's got a nice balance of that. But I do think the four songs that really stood out to me, I think I could listen to them out of context and really, really enjoy them. I think a lot of them, to be honest, like uh, sort of things like Rainbow uh, wasn't my favourite. Yeah, that's, that's an example of one which was, yeah, it was it was fine. It was fine. Uh, but if it came up on like random while I was shuffling, I certainly wouldn't skip it. Like I didn't, I'd still enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, no, listening. agreed. I guess it's just going back to the old barbecue test. Um, yeah. I don't know how many, and some definitely would jump out, uh, but some probably wouldn't. It, it doesn't really matter. I, I like listening to it as an album, but I guess my point is, I don't know how many songs I would say to someone, you know, individually, you've got to go and listen to this song because it's absolutely incredible. Yeah. I think there's two or three really good, really good songs, but I don't know if any are just like, you know, oh, this is this is one of the best songs of like the last five years kind of thing. It's I'm I'm really stretching for a criticism here. But yeah, yeah. No, I do get what you mean, though. I think it works. I think it works really well as an album. I think it's well ordered, even the say this at the time. But I agree with you, Mark, on the instrumentals that like I just wouldn't have bothered with them. Um, I, like, I don't think they add anything, but I certainly don't think they detract. Like, I don't bother skipping mm. them either. They're like a minute each. Um, yeah. But even that, like, I think the ordering of that and then for Tequila's Down, which is probably one of the like darkest tracks um, mm-hmm. on the album. Mm-hmm. I actually think like the ordering of kind of bookending that with, with the instrumentals. Um, yeah. I like it. It's perfect ordering. I, mm-hmm. I think the, the album's really works as an album. Like yeah. I don't, I don't know how I'd recommend individual tracks to somebody. Like I just recommend that you listen to the album. Yeah, it, absolutely. Yeah. Agreed. Like that's not a strong criticism. Yeah, it's it's almost more of a compliment, I guess, <laughs> that it works so well as a whole that I wouldn't try and separate it out. I'd just, yeah, recommend the whole lot. Yeah. So, uh, without further ado, should we go to the scores? Marco, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, I'm just going to go with a, a nice round eight on this one. And I think it's a really good album. Well, I mean, I'll go next because I'm absolutely with you there, buddy. I think uh, I'm going to give it an eight as well. Like, I uh, I think it's really strong. I, I just consider what I would have as the absolute, like, nines and tens of my albums. And it isn't. It just isn't quite in that kind of ballpark. But I think it is really good. And uh, much like Bo Burnham, it's another one I'll be adding to my ultimate playlist, I think. Yeah, you probably saw me make a face at that because I hate it when we all go with the same rating. But... Um... Give it a nine, then be generous. Yeah. And then, written, and then regret it later. I'd written down an eight beforehand and have not talked myself up or down, which I I always write a rating. I pretty much always write a rating beforehand. <laughs> yeah, eight seems uh, seems right. Wonderful. Then it must be right. 
If we've all said it, then it is so. All right, shall we move on to the final section, the top five lists? And this week, your list was top five cover songs. Yeah, I thought about doing it anyway, but I thought it was um, because I'm going to, I could have easily just done a list of five covers that I've seen on YouTube, but I decided to mix it up a bit. So it's not that, but um, but yeah, it fit my YouTube vibe. Alrighty, so number five, which is um, a cover of Still Crazy After All These Years by a guy called Josh Turner. Um, I think his YouTube channel is just called Josh Turner Guitar. I think he did a tour where he was covering Paul Simon songs. He's a phenomenally good guitarist, like acoustic guitarist. And the video in question, oh, he does have a band as well, which are really I was going to ask, is it? Is it just him or is it a full uh, this band? is this is just him quite a lot of his videos are with other people um I considered um there's like a full band one of um uh, baby driver which is ace um but this is just a cover of him before a show recording it in a tiny hotel room um like housekeeping knock on his door <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> to tell him to be quiet um <laughs> It's just super impressive. Like it, it's so good. I, I, people covering Paul Simon songs are across the board disappointing. Like I don't usually watch them. Like Paul Simon, almost always. Paul Simon's guitar playing, and I, I mean his songs are just all over the place. Like chordally, and the picking patterns are so weird. Um, just being able to pull that off with actual sort of heart and emotion to the song and his voice is super nice it's incredibly impressive from a like technical point of view of how like proficient the cover is but honestly i like arguably yeah i arguably prefer it to the paul simon version like his its voice is just beautiful big yeah big, big claims yeah i definitely reckon i've picked things like I've just picked a list of things that I think you should check out. Essentially, like they're not they're not necessarily <laughs> just, like my top five covers. Um, just the screen to, and needle Rex. Yeah, I just tried to pick things that I thought I thought you probably wouldn't have heard. They're not all either. There's at least one you probably have heard. But chill him, Josh chill. Turner. Check him out. Josh Turner. Check it out. Um, yeah, my my picks are much more conventional uh, covers for the most part. But I'm going to join you in the sort of YouTube sensation uh, for my number five pick, which is Don't You Want Me, the version by Scary Pockets. It's, I think, mostly to represent Scary Pockets as a whole. It's just that Don't You Want Me is my current sort of favorite. I think sometimes Scary Pockets do songs that are just not, not better, not an improvement on the original. And I think it's when they focus on songs that are already quite funky. But I think when they do, like pop songs, uh, Umbop is another particular highlight. The funk version just turns out, transforms it into just an incredible song. Great pick anyway. Thank you, sir. Marco? So number five is not the greatest song in the world by any stretch of the imagination, but I do think it represents an interesting version of a completely different song, uh, which is uh, Iron Man by The Cardigans. Oh, choice. Um, it's a great cover. Didn't even think yeah. about it. That's a superb choice. It is in my long list. Oh, nice. Good man. I think what the Cardigans do, which is really quite amazing, is that it just sounds like a Cardigans song completely. 
I didn't even really make the connection that it was a cover version, to be honest. They really make it their own. Yeah, it, it doesn't sound distinctly like the original, uh, but once you know what it is, suddenly you're like, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, and Dino, number four. Alrighty. Um, so number four, I've gone for the Bonnie Prince Billy cover of uh, Ruben and Charisse, which, nice. was, which was a, I think, I don't know if it ever ended up on a Grateful Dead album. I think it was... Uh, Jerry Garcia solo project time, but at least Grateful Dead played it a bit. But yeah, I think it is one where I actually think it's a super nicely written song. I think the original is a is a super nice song, but there are things I just don't like about the original. Like it's mm-hmm. got it's got horrible like pop horns, like keyboard horns and stuff on it. I really don't like. Um, I think the Bonnie Prince Billy version is a bit pacier as well. I think he just lifts that lifts the tempo just a smidge, gives it a bit more drive to it, and um, adds a couple of different hooks in. They really, really like raise it. I think that, yeah, I think it's a great song um, first and foremost. But I think the cover version just lifts the original. Like it's for me, it almost feels like what the original should have done and quite like slightly <laughs> just fell short of. And I'm not a particularly big Bonnie Prince Billy fan either. Um, but yeah, I think like that's just a like little a crowning achievement for him in his like back catalogue. Sweet, yeah, I can't say I'm a huge Bonnie Prince Billy fan myself, but I will check it out. So this is full of groove, and yeah, I love groove right now. Okay, well, without further ado, my number four is Iron Man by the Bad Plus. (laughs) 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 This version of Iron Man, the better one. (laughs) Um is a jazz trio, like piano-led. It's a really cool, like, quite sort of almost, I don't know, is it fair to say almost like sloppy jazz? It can be quite avant-garde in, in bits and the, with the timing. But at the very end of the song, bursts into this major version of the sort of main riff, and it's just glorious. Like, it's so celebratory when it's turned major. You know what? If I'm picking between the two, I think I might might go with the bad plus one because that that major major shift at the end is so good it's really satisfying i've got to say like i say i had the iron man cardigans cover in my long list and it is a beloved song lovely yeah i i'm i know a bit of bad plus i'm not sure i've listened to that one so okay uh my number four is significantly more boring uh it's winter long by the pixies uh based on the neil young original and it's an example of they haven't done that much with the song, really. It's pretty similar. Same melody, very slightly different instrumentation, but I just think they make it better. It's got more energy to it. It's like, it's a touch faster. It's got Joey Santiago doing his kind of discordant guitar-y parts. The harmony between Kim and Frank is just more appealing than when it's just Neil Young harmonising himself. But it's it's just a great song, and I just think they've done the definitive version of it for me. Another good choice. Uh, Andy, is it your number three, bud? Uh, yeah, I'm picking on the fly a little bit here, because I had Scary Pockets track in, uh, which was the middle. Um, but I want to give a shout-out to somebody else if you've already covered that. So I'm going to go with Adam Neely's version of Hello. Um, Adam Neely is a YouTuber, 
possibly my favorite YouTuber who basically talks about music. I've learned a ton of stuff. I always find him super, super interested and engaging. He uh, he has a few cover versions where I think he just calls them like reharmonizations, where he basically like destroys the structure of it and the changes them. And the version of Hello is super cool. Like it's, um, I'm not even sure what the instrument is. Like it's really heavily, it, it uses this one woodwind instrument. That I don't know what it is. It's like a big recorder. It looks like some kind of Eastern wind instrument. Uh, like it's super breathy. And like that has a lot of the like the melody. The singer is nope. the, the singer is like beastie as well. So it kind of it really grows into it as a song. Like the first chorus is quite quite sort of underplayed. And by the time the second chorus comes around, it is like everything is massive. It's really good. Definitely check it out. All of it. It only has about three or four covers, but they're all superb. Rad. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, my number three, this is one that I thought might be in your list, uh, which I'm now less convinced, is Wichita Line Man by Villagers. It is a song that I like, the original, um, but the original has a certain kind of country twang to it. And I think Villagers sort of smooths it into more of a ballad. And it makes, I think it makes the lyrics feel a bit more touching. And I think they're nice lyrics anyway. I think there are some really, really great lyrics in that song but it gives them a uh i guess a bit like the album we've talked about today like a personalness to it that i think really adds to the song overall and it just makes an already great song a little bit better i think i i i knew you were going to put it in there i would have considered picking it i also really like his cover of uh the wonder of you yeah that is a nice cover but it's super nice all right Marco, you're number three. Yeah, uh, number three, um, Fleetwood Mac, Need Your Love So Bad, which uh, is a a beautiful song. It's a, an absolute classic to my mind. It feels like a standard. I sought out the original because I'd never heard it. And as you would probably imagine, it's not nearly as good. I mean, quite simply, you know, when you've got Peter Green playing guitar and singing on something, it's going to it's going to elevate it automatically and it it does i just love the song i don't there's nothing else to say no great pick. simple as that no beautifully put uh so uh that brings us to andy's number two yeah the only one that had any possibility really of being in anyone else's list but i as much as i wanted to uh pull from things i thought you wouldn't have heard of i couldn't leave it out which is uh, I Will Survive by Cake. Um, Lovely choice. Another one that made my uh, my long list. I considered War Pigs as well. It's also a great cover. But yeah. um, there's so many things I like about their cover version. Like the bass groove. I could just listen to that bass groove on its own. I listened to it again today because I'd like written it down, but I haven't listened to it for ages. I could listen to that bass groove on its own. Like it is such a good little groove. When I was a, a teenager and sort of budding bassist, it was the it was the riff that I always played when I went to shops, thinking like I'd show off a little bit. 
Nice. <laughs> it's just a nice. cycle of fifths with the yeah. same groove over and over again. It's not particularly difficult, but it does, it does sound impressive. That's it. It doesn't sound it doesn't sound that difficult. And it's not, like you say, it never changes throughout the song either. No. It's just super cool. And then like when the trumpet comes in later on with the like counter melody, ah, superb. And then I I love the end of the song where it just has the guitarist just absolutely drowning out everything else <laughs> with like pretty much a one note like solo over the top <laughs> it's ace i don't know why i like that so much but it's just <laughs> it's it's such a good way to end the song there's like two or three counter melodies going on in the background and all you can hear is just him like absolutely slamming this one note it's it's uh it's top uh so that brings on to my number two. Um, and it's a song I think you will all be quite familiar with. It's Istanbul, not Constantinople, by They Might Be Giants. Um, I actually didn't know this was a cover till fairly recently, but it's just, it's a superb, uh, endlessly enjoyable song performed by a great band who are both great in their original music, but just performance and sound-wise, I, I just never get bored of their like slightly humorous, quirky I guess indie rock ish. <laughs> Not quite sure how to how to genreize. They might be giants, but it's great, and it's one of their iconic songs. I consider putting it in just from the version of it that we saw when we saw them live, ah, which was just super with a trumpet <laughs> slash trombone player. It kept alternating between them for his solo. Play like half a solo on one, then like shake his head and play it on the other, and then no, that's not good enough. Back to the back to the trumpet. Oh, it's so good. Uh, Marco, your number two, buddy. Yeah, uh, my number two is a track called uh, "Super Buck Two by a band called Estratosphere. Are either of you familiar with this at all? Don't know not it. At all, no. I'm afraid. Okay, well, Estratosphere, a, a strange band. Um, they kind of almost a Mr. Bungle-esque band where they're obviously super talented musicians and they go all over the place and they ruin eight out of ten songs with these terrible, like, metal sections. <laughs> but um, Super Buck 2 is quite simply just a big band version of the theme from Super Mario 2. So, like, the NES game, which... Is a tune, no one's really played Mario 2, are they? Let's be honest. You play Mario 1, Mario 3, yet no one's played Mario 2. But I guarantee you Jump hear that tune around. and you're like, oh yeah, what what's that? And it's like one of the greatest 8-bit computer game tunes you could come across. And this cover just kicks ass. It's just joyful. One of the few times a double bass solo is actually super cool. Just goes mad. But yeah, it's just... There's no way that you could listen to this and not be happy. So yeah, check it out. It's only about two minutes long as well. So hundred percent sold. I will definitely be listening to that. Yeah, Andy, your number one. Uh, my number one. Um, I feel like it's a boring choice compared to my rest, but I picked it because of how much more I prefer it to the original song. I guess, but um, it's "You Keep Me Hanging On" by uh, Vanilla Fudge. I don't love the song, to be honest. They um, they basically massively slow it down and everything is just like beastie about it. Like everything is sort of big and like smashed. Um, it's basically like an indie rock version of like a Supreme song. 
but yeah, like everything works like so much better for me on the uh, on the cover version. Uh, it's just I don't know, slowing down the pace of it just just makes such a difference. Like it, instead of sort of rushing through the song, like it just hits these like big harmonies in the chorus, and like all the guitar lines are just like yeah, really like slow builds and just like smashed out and. Yeah, I just think it's an absolute tune. It's oh, like I like the Supremes. I'm not sort of criticizing them. I just think it's a relatively boring song that is 20 times better on the cover version. Like everything works for me on it. Ace. All right. Well, that brings me to my number one. Uh, and that is Tango Till They're Sore by Madeline Peru. Ah, oh, it just reminded me of. Of Madeline Peru. Yeah, and Dance Me to the End of Love, which I fucking love that song. That but again, a cover of a really great Tom Waits track. It's done in a just very sexy female jazz singer style. God, her voice um, is good. It's really, really great. Like super sort of breathy and sultry. And, uh, and again, I don't think it, I really, really like the original and I don't think it necessarily improves on it, but it, I think it is a different enough version that they both exist and are enjoyable equally. But I just, I think her voice more than anything else elevates it to my, like my number one spot. I think she can put her voice to almost anything and <laughs> it will sound pretty great. Her voice is so good. It just makes the backing sound like the perfect backing for it. <laughs> and I think when you're doing covers, like she starts off with really good songs Yeah. anyway. So, you know, the, the sort of the bass, melodies of the songs are already already good stuff okay i'll whiz through my number one with a a brief preamble which was uh over the weekend uh my cousin mike uh rang me from a a long drive we got calf so i rang him back and he was he was annoyed because it had interrupted the song he was listening to and he was like i've you've just made me stop feeling like the coolest person in the world Um, and I thought back to an occasion I've been on holiday playing the exact same version of the exact same song and thought the exact same thing so I mean it's pretty awesome it's uh, Propeller Heads and uh, their cover of On Her Majesty's Secret Service by by John Barry of course Um, I know it oh man it it is fabulous what a song to like march down the boulevard to well yeah yeah, it's uh, it has the good sense to just steer clear of making any changes to the Barry original in terms of the orchestration and melodies because they're obviously perfect. It's one of the greatest tunes ever. But all it adds is like a banging beat and the it's like driving of like electronic bass lines that you could ever come across. It's like <laughs> 10 minutes long, never gets old. <laughs> and... Uh, just for good measure, uh, like six minutes in, it just throws in like two minutes of a uh, orchestral theme from You Only Live Twice, which is also brilliant. Well, that's an awesome choice. Good pick. Uh, okay, so let's have a quick look through the honourable mentions. Uh, I don't think I've got very many that haven't been either mentioned in other lists or brought up, so I'll just smash through these. I had uh, the Billie Jean cover by The Civil Wars in my long list. Easy by Faith No More. And that probably is my favorite version of that song, but I don't really love that song. So, <laughs> The one that I thought was adjacent to your pick, Marco, was uh, Hang On To Your Ego, Frank Black. 
which I had in my long list. I often quite like a novelty cover. So I had Welcome to the Jungle, uh, the rich cheese version. I particularly picked out this version, A, because it's awesome, um, but B, because I I hate Guns N' Roses and I hate all of their music. Maybe irrationally, but that's the way it is. And the cover is therefore definitely the best version of that song. Uh, did anyone else have any honorables not, not mentioned? I had a few that you've already said, Will, um, and now covered more. Oh, yeah. Um, Alone Again or the uh, Love Song. I really oh, like... I didn't know that was a cover. No, no, sorry. I really like that version, but I actually oh. slightly prefer the Damned cover of it. Oh, okay. Not um, heard it. I do like the original a it's, it's actually really similar. I always seem to mention tempo changes in this. It's slightly quicker, and I feel like the drive um, helps it. But actually, yeah, thematically, it's pretty, pretty similar. Um, but yeah, if I was picking one, I would pick the Damned version. I was going to substitute in a Pomplamoose track um, for the Scary Pockets one, but that seemed like I was talking about the same people, so uh, I didn't. But my track would have been uh, Hot Girl Bummer. Great name. Um, I listened. <laughs> I listened to the original. It's it's the thing is like it's an absolute bait pop song, and um, in a kind of R and B style. But I actually think the song's pretty good, and they do like an indie rock version of it, and everything about it is cool. I just, awesome. I just think it sounds like ace. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's my honorables. Superb, Marco. Anything else? Only a couple. I had a, a TV on the radio version of Mister Greaves by Pixies. Cool. It, it's cool for thirty seconds. That's the thing. It's kind of like uh-huh. a barbershop version of it, which is quite fun. But yeah, it kind of wears off. loses its luster pretty quickly. <laughs> Wild as the Wind, Bowie, just because I love his vocals on that one. Southern Nights, Glenn Campbell, there he is again, the big man. Big Glenn. All right, superb. Um, am I right in thinking next week's choice is mine? I believe it so. is. Okay, so my choices for next week then uh, the film is going to be Raya and the Last Dragon, the latest animation from. I think it's from Disney and not from Pixar. Not that I think it makes a huge difference, but... It is Disney, yeah. Uh, the album is Emily's Devolution by Esperanza Spaulding. And uh, for those of you playing along at home, Devolution is D plus Evolution. Top five is films with terrible sequels or prequels. So your top five films with terrible, terrible sequels or prequels... In the cases of larger franchises, I will accept where at least the majority of the films are absolute trash. So your top film, five films... So the top have, five best films that have yeah. a terrible sequel. Correct. That's the uh, one. So it's, okay. not, it's, not right. the worst, it's not the worst sequel. It's the best film that has a bad sequel. That's right. Sequel. The best film that has a bad sequel. Correct. That oh way around. Oh, my God. Uh, that's all from us at Screen and Needle. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed yourselves. We certainly have. Come back next week. Uh, bye-bye. bye-bye. bye-bye.